What's good, friends? List episode 15 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at ya. We're back with another party chat special where we take questions and topics from you, the listener, and talk it all out, including blind faith in regards to gaming, the best intros to games ever, gameplay aspects that hook us and drive us away, and much, much more. Plus, we got a bunch of news to cover, including how Blizzard has come down hard on a professional Hearthstone player in regards to his support with the Hong Kong protest. Does the punishment fit the quote-unquote crime? We try to answer that. A jam-packed show for you, coming up on the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, aka Travis, on most internet platforms. We got another party chat episode for you today. Joining me, as always, my two partners in crime, Adam Marshy Marsh and Mike Toy Soldier P Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing? It looks like you've been playing a little Reach to start it off. Uh, yeah, I did get into the Reach Finally. Insider, uh, like, yeah, test flighting. I mean, was it kind of like uh, Shawshank Redemption where you're fucking crawling out of the pipe and you're just playing? <laughs> Finally! I just don't know why. I got something for my fucking 15 years on Xbox Live. I just didn't know what I needed to do to get invited <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, what so, the- so what was the process? I mean, like, I've applied for flighting for PC and whatnot, but like, what what is it like with actually did they just send they you just an email? pick you randomly and send yeah. you an email hmm. that's basically it. with instructions on how to like install the correct version okay um i didn't have halo reach selected as a preferred game so they didn't include me uh, so i went onto my profile and selected reach as a preferred game and the next day i got the invite so i was like hey. are you motherfuckers petty just give me the game <laughs> i'm at it forever have you been playing anything else well actually before we go into that like what what are your thoughts so far from what you've played i know you're not you're more of a traditional halo guy comparative to where reach started to kind of split the player population i feel like and the fan base with its advanced movement and things like that you know power-ups and whatnot to a more like class-based system so right what's your what's your gut take right now after playing i'm sure you know a few hours in it uh the 60 frames per second feels pretty good um it was it was mainly team hardcore so Mm -hmm. it was no bloom no sprint and it was just four on four and we only played countdown and zealot Mm -hmm. both maps played pretty well um the game last night played really poorly i played some this morning and it felt really good Mm -hmm. really crispy with the uh less amount of people on the servers i suppose could have been the issue there but yeah i mean overall it felt okay uh it's not my cup of tea i'm not like thrilled if that, that's where the competitive scene goes but seems like that's what's going to happen so, so whatever you think, so you think like hcs is going to move more towards halo reach now that just because that's the quote-unquote new thing that's going to be coming yeah soonest i guess in, in the most you know quick amount of time comparative to infinite that launches you know over a year away still yeah technically uh it's just like hcs grassroots so oh, it's not okay. even run by hcs technically if you want to be frank but or so if you like want to be like on it or like if you want to be so like a ugc event yeah okay. like side events like dreamhack ugc or whatever yeah it's probably going to go to reach after halo 3 in atlanta here uh in about a month they'll play in atlanta and uh that'll probably be it for halo 3 they'll mm-hmm. probably progress to halo reach competitive 
uh, until Infinite comes out is what it seems like is going to happen. How uh, how have the streams been going? Back to you know a couple nights now. You've been yeah, streaming. Uh, it's not bad. I had some fun. Um, had uh good support last night. I was appreciative of everybody that came out. So it was a nice little stream. We mm-hmm. ended it with some NHL 20. So that was fun. And there yeah, just go. playing some different games. Nice, nice. Adam, what's good? What's going on? And you've been playing. I'm doing pretty good, Travis. Uh, recently, I've still been playing a bit of Kenshi, like we talked about on mm-hmm. last week's episode. Um, I'm also still working through Link's Awakening on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Still working through my New Game Plus playthrough of Fire Emblem with Alexis. And What's your hour count at right now? Uh, I couldn't tell you for sure, but it's probably over 100 by this point. Oh, I would think so, definitely. From what you were sounding like before with you kind of got into the nooks and crannies of your first playthrough alone. Yeah, you know? I think I got up to maybe 80 with the first playthrough. And I'm I'm to part two, like past the halfway point of this one. It's still scratching that itch? Yeah, still really enjoying it. Good, good. Um, and also, last night I started uh, continuing a game I started a while ago called Long Gone Days. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a an adventure RPG style game. Um, sort of a top-down perspective You play as a soldier from, like, this stateless military that lives underground, and they have, like, a quote-unquote perfect society. Mm -hmm. And when you're deployed for your first mission, you realize that you're part of a false flag attack, where, Mm -hmm. like, you're posing as Polish soldiers attacking Russian civilians Mm -hmm. to ignite an international incident. And when you realize this, you and your friend defect and start defending the local villagers. And then it goes on from there, and, like, you try to basically stop this global conspiracy holy shit so i played this a while back probably january the first chapter was out and that was all that was out now there's three chapters out so i've been continuing that a little bit Mm -hmm. is that pc i'm guessing yeah it's on pc it's i have it on steam nice nice and then what were you playing uh when i first got here earlier oh that was receiver receiver yeah i've never played that like i've heard of it i feel like i think i've talked about it before it's a it's a game where uh your gun handling has way more granularity to it. There's like a key press to take the magazine out of your gun. There's a key press to holster your gun, a key press to load rounds into the magazine one by one. And then you pull the gun back out, put it, put the magazine back in, maybe rack the slide. If you, that is empty. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's cool though. Like it's much more, I don't want to say semi, but like it is, I mean, I guess that if somebody's looking for that immersion level of, I actually want to, physically load my gun almost mm-hmm. like what you would get in like firewall or blood and truth on psvr like a yeah. vr almost experience without the vr where you're actually forced to do these things to actually get through a mission yeah i don't know if it would work on anything but a pc with a keyboard with a lot of oh, keys yeah. or in some kind of vr context where you could do more context sensitive stuff with your hands mm-hmm. but it's interesting the the actual like gunplay and the story are really simple mm-hmm. um but just that added depth of you have to learn this new system of loading and unloading your gun, reloading, managing your uh, your resources and stuff like that. It's interesting. Nice, nice. On my end, just kind of like I was saying before, playing through The Last of Us, I did finish it. Um, it's, I think, my third or fourth playthrough of the game. I mean, it's just, it, it, it hits hard. And it's, I mean, I think it personally is the best example of narrative what you can accomplish with narrative in a game especially in terms of combining tight gameplay polished gameplay and narrative that it's just the, it's still the standard bearer even with ps3 assets and stuff 
with the remastered version. It's, I mean, it's one of the best stories in gaming. But outside of that, uh, my fiance and I played through Until Dawn. Really? <laughs> yeah, the first time I've played through it since we played through yeah. it two or three years ago. Three years ago, I think. Um, and we went through, and when we went through and got our first playthrough, went through, got no kills. Yeah. Everybody survived. That was not the case with us because I let her do all the decisions and I just did the QTEs and stuff like yeah. that. It was awesome though because like it was so cool to actually see some of the deaths that happened. Like, um, I mean, spoilers for Until Dawn, a PS4 game on a usually normal Xbox podcast. But um, I, I lost right off the bat. We lost not right off the bat, but when the tower falls with yeah. Matt and Emily, lost Matt. He got picked up by one of the demons and just fucking put on a hook through his like bottom of his like jaw um that was pretty gruesome we or the windigos the windigos not yeah, the yeah. demons the yes windigos. the windigos I'm, my mistake but uh everyone else survived until right at the end in the last chapter where josh i uh, is like talking to people like he's like get out of my head like and the Wendigo comes up and just smashes his head in. So he gone. But then... <laughs> You're talking about Remy Malik, right? Yeah, Remy Malik. <laughs> um, but whenever... Uh, and the best best line of that whole game. Godspeed, Pilgrim. From Remy Malik. I haven't stopped saying that all week. I'm surprised I'm still living at this point. I've been <laughs> fucking killed in my sleep. Um, but we get to the end. And you know how at the end there is... Um, you have the option to flip the switch and light the whole house on fire. I flipped the switch and let, lit the whole house on fire and let Emily die. Matt die, or uh, not Matt. Yeah, yeah, Mike, 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 sorry. Um, Emily, Mike, and Ashley. I think that's the only three that were left. But Jess, Chris, and then um, what's her name? Hayden Pantiero's uh, character. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they all survived. But everyone else got fucking toasted. Yeah. <laughs> It was awesome, like, and I pop. It was cool, like, I popped some trophies because, like, I'm a big like achievement trophy hunter guy. Um, popped some trophies that, like, I wasn't even thinking. I'm like, oh shit, they do have like trophies for like killing people. These people yeah. all get fucked. Like, <laughs> so it was great. Um, but played that. I uh, really. That's kind of those two were the only things I really played. I rolled credits on uh, Last of Us last night, so I haven't really started anything. But I got Concrete Genie in the car to play later tonight i'm really excited about that molly wants to play detroit a lot of ps4 stuff right now yeah. um kind of in a holding pattern until uh outer worlds comes out that's gonna be my next big xbox game i think but, that's me too yeah yeah so it'll be i'm excited for that it'll be that'll be good but before we get into our party chat episode as always got a little housekeeping for you and we got a new giveaway do you like free games there's a bear shit in the woods i mean I guess I've personally never seen it happen, but I'm, I'm getting off topic. Of course you do. So let us help with that. We're giving away a brand new free game of your choice on any console to one lucky listener. And all you have to do is the following. Follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Retweet the pin tweet on our profile and make sure you're listening to the show to know if you've won. That's it. Once we hit our goal, we'll pull a winner and we'll get someone squared away with a game. So head on over to at GPGC Podcast and enter to day stumbled a little bit that one. new ad read new ad reads anyways heading into the news we got a little bit of a jam-packed news day here before we get in um hopefully we don't get a little long in the tooth with this but a lot of big things i did want to touch on because i think it does kind of pertain to our listeners that we do have so first one up blizzard suspends hearthstone player for hong kong support pulls prize money this comes from luke plunkett via kotaku 
So, goes like this. Go over, as always, we'll have all the links to this in the description. Go over there, give Luke, everybody who we kind of touch on, make sure you go over there. Give him a click, give him a view, that always helps them. So, diving into the first one here. Chung, Blitz Chung, Adam, how, do you, how would you say that? Look, we're English speakers, so we're going to mispronounce every name that's not English. But I think, it's, I think it's Ung Wai. Ung Wai, so, something like Chung, that. Chung, Blitz Chung, Ung Wai, a pro Hearthstone player from Hong Kong, Ended a stream earlier this week with a statement of support those engaged in months-long protests against local police and government. As a result, Blizzard has ruled that he violated competition rules and has handed out a heavy punishment. In the stream, part of the broadcast of the Asia-Pacific Asia Grandmasters, Blitzchung wore a mask similar to those worn by protesters and said, Liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. Blizzard, clearly aware of the political repercussions in the Chinese market for such a statement, has determined that Blitzchung violated a competition rule which states, engaging in any act that Blizzard in sole discretion brings you into public dispute, offends a portion or a group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize total to zero US dollars in addition to other remedies which may be proved for under the handbook of Blizzard's website terms. Blitzchung's punishment is an immediate removal from the Grandmasters, a withholding of prize money for his participation, and a ban from taking part in Hearthstone's esports for 12 months beginning from October 5th, 2019 and extending to October 5th, 2020. So, just kind of want to dive into this one since we do have a lot of our uh, listeners do play Blizzard games, uh, have an affinity for Blizzard games, have been deeply intertwined. I mean, we even have a you know a topic later on in the show that kind of touches on blind faith with gaming developers and whatnot. And Blizzard definitely used to be one of those for me. Um, but you know, what do you guys kind of take of all this? I know we usually don't try to get too political on the show. Uh, we try to keep it, you know, sanctioned under games, but this is kind of really the talk of the town right now, and I definitely want to get our voices out on this and at least kind of touch on it a little bit, even if we scratch the surface. So, Adam, what, as somebody who is primarily a PC gamer, I would say overall, you've had such a, you and both Mike, too, have such had an affinity for Blizzard for a long time. You still play their games pretty regularly, I'd say. What, what's this really, what's your take overall? Let's just start out there from the surface. What do you think of the whole situation overall? I think it sets a dangerous precedent for, I guess, any company that wants to do business with, let's face it, an authoritarian regime who wants access to the market that they exclusively control through their manipulation of media access and all that stuff. <clears throat> Essentially, what you have is a business imperative coming into conflict with a moral imperative where you're restricting and punishing somebody's speech mm -hmm. based on you know how it's going to impact your relationship with that regime mm -hmm. it's essentially blizzards looking after their bottom line and you have to wonder like at what point do they look in the mirror and say are we the bad guys now like i mean this calls in a lot of this really pulls on a lot of ethical heartstrings i would say like yeah at what point do you also look at this and say yeah this may go against our written guidelines but like 
This is who's obvious. writing who's writing this specific well, guideline to say that I'm sure they're very well paid lawyers, but at you're going to forfeit all your money. Like that's one of their like I get if you come on and you say something racist or you say something of that nature or like, like I support ISIS or yeah, something like, like that. Just that's like vehemently bad. Like, yeah, it is just without thought that is a horrible thing to do. Right. Where this is somebody who's probably affected by this oppression. Yeah, saying like and this is my take because it kind of goes into this. I don't know. I don't know a ton about the situation over in Hong Kong, nor like, and that's that's my fault. I need to kind of study up on more world events, I guess, and what's going on. But my view has always been, I, I've always lived my life treat others the way you would want to be treated, and to that same extent, I would want people all around the world to have the same privileges and really rights at this point that we do as U.S. citizens of. Freedom should be free. You should have basic human rights and freedom, and you we, you shouldn't feel worry about you know waking up the next morning just from going to sleep every night. And I mean, to me, if that's being something that's being taken away all over the country in different you know different climates and whatnot or political climates, you know that's something that does need to be taken care of. And that's just like no to me that's a no brainer. Yeah, and it's like if somebody's being oppressed for just living in the current country they are for really i don't want to say no reason but it's just for being you know somebody else ruling their country or their you know the certain area that they're at yeah that's just to me that's i know i can't say it the way that i'm probably should be saying it but you get what simpleton me yeah. says that just don't like why would you silence a voice that it just seems so straightforward like, yeah this is just because, just to protect protect your bottom line, just to make sure the five percent stake that you guys brought up from ten cent is good. Yeah, like, that's five percent of Blizzard. Like five percent compared to the ninety five percent, where you know, granted, the Asian market obviously is such a big tentpole for Blizzard. But it's at the same time, like just, I, I it just seems so ethically and morally straightforward. Like, yeah, there's a moral cost for earning all of that. Exactly. exactly that's what i'm trying to say yeah it's it's a pathetic it's a pathetic move by blizzard uh it's condemnable in all all ways i can understand that your bylaws are written a certain way but it's, at the end of the day i think a suspension for a year for his comment would have been sufficient if you were really looking to punish a player oh, i think down. rescinding the prize pool money is completely uncalled for for a player who has spent his life becoming an expert at your game yeah. um you know you don't complain whenever people watch it on twitch and you get ad revenue from it mm -hmm. you're not complaining when that person is putting their likeness to your benefit on streams all the time yeah. you're the one benefiting from these at this ad revenue the subs that you might get on your twitch stream because he's playing on it yeah and you know but all of a sudden he wants to say something that you know by and large woke culture and i put that in air quotes for those of you that can't see me is something in america that it's kind of not edgy if you will but it's like the hot thing nowadays is everyone to be woke about everything yeah. and you know it just seems so ironic that blizzard is stamping out something like this in china and i understand that the china uh, or the government of china in particular is communist and the hong kong situation there it feels like that city alone is kind of fighting back against yeah. the the negatives of communism if you will and i don't blame the poor farmer the poor farmers in china because there's plenty of those out there also that aren't living in the city yeah um 
and I'm sure that the media in China is suppressing <laughs> what's happening in Hong Kong. So Absolutely. there might be people in northern China near the Mongolian border that don't even know what's happening in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the nature of the beast when you're dealing with a communist regime like this. Um, I just think that it's absolutely, like, it's just devastating to, I'm sure that player, I'm sure other players who are on the side of the revolution, if you will, mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, um, it's just really disappointing that there's going to be players out there that might differ with the with the norm that you know aren't going to be able to have their voice heard like but god forbid if if this guy was a furry or if he was homosexual if he was which whatever is fine. which is fine. which it would have been fair game but this guy's speaking up for a cause that he thinks would better his family him, himself his family everybody in china and you know, he's the one that gets the guillotine. I don't know. It just seems kind of uh, flaky for me. And it's just disappointing. Um, Blizzard's been making some really poor decisions. Um, for my standpoint as a fan, just just make Diablo 2 remastered if you're not going to make a good Diablo game. Nobody else gives a fuck. We'll play D2 remastered all over again. Yeah. Just like we're going to play with Warcraft 3 remastered when you finally release it. Yeah. Just like we played Starcraft Brood War remastered. And just move on with it. Like, get stop making shit for World of Warcraft. Give us a good game or yeah. piss off. Like, you, all you did was... They're, you, only, they're appealing to... I mean, I want to say World of Warcraft is such a broad audience, but well, yeah, at the same I mean, time, that's one that's one revenue stream. And if Blizzard's touting themselves as this this huge entity within the gaming landscape that yeah. covers so many avenues, realistically, they're only covering World of Warcraft and Overwatch. I mean, that's, yeah, that's you see, Overwatch has all the. You know, presence of it with their Overwatch League, yeah. which is great. Which, like, by the way, if you watch the CSGO Major, Blizzard is dumping millions and millions of dollars into Overwatch esports and still being outviewed by Counter-Strike Go, which has been out yeah. since 2012. Yeah. So they're putting a foot down because they're on the side of the Chinese government because they're benefiting so greatly from a little bit of a part, like they're benefiting a little bit from a partnership with them. And I just feel like they're putting themselves in harm's way because all that's going to happen is there's going to be people in America that are pro protest. There's going to be people in Asia that are pro protest. And all you're going to do is you're going to hurt yourself because those people are going to start boycotting you because that's the only way you can make these corporations suffer is if you do it with your dollar. And it's not going to happen if me getting angry and saying, ah, fuck World of Warcraft, nah, fuck, fuck Blizzard. And yeah. I'm the only person that's doing it. That's not going to matter, but when you make a statement like this, it's going to open the eyes and ears of a lot of people. And now you're going to be under the microscope for a long time to come for yeah. this entire suspension. Like I said, okay, a suspension for a year and no forfeiting of the money would have been sufficient. Suspension for three months and then whatever prize money you would have earned this month rescinded would have been fair. But what they did is completely out of line and... Yeah. I have to wonder if they really enforce this rule if it comes to other things. Like, right. Like I said, like if, if a player's having a heated gaming moment, yeah, do right. they get suspended for a year and lose their prize money? Right. Like Probably even not. even in the Asian market, um, homosexuality is still a little taboo in right. that yeah. in that culture. What if someone was gay from Korea or China or Japan and they were playing in one of their esports? Are you going to yeah. suspend them because they're gay? Because in Asia, it's not as okay as it is here. Which, by the way. It's still, there's still sects of America that don't think that it's okay. And I'm sure everyone here that is listening knows that. Yeah. Um, it's a lot less accepted than it is in other countries, but we're a lot more accepting of that type oh of thing than God. Asia is. Yeah. 
the past so 10 if, years, if this yeah, guy would have came easily. out and said i'm gay what would you have done then because you he would have been in in a sect of yeah like it would have basically been a different shot of being yeah. against norms there but like you're basically suspending this guy and punishing him because he's against the norm of what you think it would be even more think. perfect because blizzard puts on this front of being like accepting of and being diverse and like yeah like the cast of overwatch is supposedly diverse yeah but it doesn't apply to their asian market like right. i don't like, think tracer is gay in china it's kind of a catch-22 because representation in media is good but it's also kind of just lip service yeah like it's not really like doing a whole lot to combat systemic disadvantages of minority groups or anything yeah. like that. It's just, oh, hey, we put one of you in this game. It's like, it's such it. a tightrope to walk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it is. And, and, it, and what and do I, you do as a what do you do as a as a country or as a society? You know, part of my part of the belief back in the fifties and sixties, what was with the racism was like, just pretend it doesn't exist and it'll go away. Well, obviously that didn't work. Right. So what do you do with with the other uh, social things that are becoming normal now over time, do you just ignore the fact that people are different from you or are you part of the problem if you're just ignoring it? So I think that you just have such a, a tough, a tough action as a person like me personally, I try to just be like, whatever dude like yeah. whatever like that old different uh, for different folks live your life. You that, know? Uh, that there's that old Southern comfort uh, commercial uh, with a dude in a speedo, and the, he was holding a Southern Comfort glass, and it just says whatever's comfortable. And yeah. I kind of watched that when I was like 19, and I thought to myself, you know, that's a pretty decent way to live your life, dude. Yeah. Whatever's good for you, do your thing, and absolutely, if that's the way you want it, that's the way you want it. But so we'll be, the, I'm sure we'll find out more. I'm, I guarantee this isn't the last we're going to hear about this story. Yeah, it, it can't be. Uh, the internet's. Gonna this be is an a answer. pretty. This there's is a pretty be an big thing. And there's going to be. This isn't the last because this might be a domino effect. Of yeah. Kind of moving forward. So. And I feel bad. What you're about to get into now, reading the run of show, mm-hmm. um, just to maybe just touch on it briefly from my point of view, the fact that the that the they also fired the casters. Yeah, which is what yeah. you're yeah. about to touch on they here. They didn't even do anything. Right. I, I, I did kind of skip over that whenever I was kind of running through it. But also, too, in there, it does say that they did. They also will be immediately cease working with both casters involved with that because both casters put their heads down during the actual clip um, that was up. It just it's just such a weird it's a very much to me. This is very much sweep this under the rug. Yeah. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And it's also we it, done. Like it, it's what are you also, talking about? It's also very unique from an American standpoint point of view where you can basically have people go on like since we have freedom of speech and freedom of press and all these other things, mm-hmm. you know, basically pretty much just like post up every day of their life. They could be sitting there live on YouTube twenty four hours 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 a day saying, Fuck the American government, fuck Donald Trump. Literally for twenty four hours straight. And nobody's going to stop them. Yeah. But Which in China, right, this, you know, right, wrong, indifferent, yeah. whatever you believe, that's your thing. But yeah. that is very much what happened. And like, look at, like, look at how, like, how the casters have to react because this guy's like voicing an opinion against the Chinese government. Right. Yeah. It's just really eye opening as an American to see how other societies have to live their life. Where it gets ridiculous, and you'll see this with stuff like uh, streaming platforms enforcing bans on some content across their global network and not just the regions where it's considered objectionable but like Mm -hmm. when you start enforcing the authoritarian norm norms 
from one region that you do business with across the whole world, mm-hmm. that's like going, I don't know. I, I think that's going too far. Yeah. Like it's, I guess it, it might be fine. I don't know a whole lot about the political situation between Hong Kong and mainland, mm-hmm. but I think most people would say it's maybe a good idea to let some nations handle their own conflicts internally, like whatever. Like, let's not violate other people's sovereignty. Right. Yeah, because the I U.S. Mean, has been doing that for a long time, and it hasn't yeah. ever gone well. Yeah, it no. hasn't helped anyone ever. <laughs> but when you're trading partners, I'm, I'm pulling from a comment on Kotaku in the article that we're uh, quoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, commenter Arnheim says, quote, I'm all for letting other nations handle their own internal disputes. But the way China attempts to strong arm nations they have economic partnerships with into towing their party line publicly is just beyond the pale, mm-hmm. end quote. Um, and I just, I saw that while we were reading through the show notes, and I really agree with that. It's like, it's kind of like where our rights begin is where theirs end. And yeah. they want to encroach on the way American companies do business because, oh, if you they don't... They want that line blurred. Yeah. 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 Like, we won't play ball with you unless you tow our party line. Like, yeah. uh, okay, no, we're, I, I think the morally, <laughs> the moral backbone thing to do by Blizzard is to say... No, fuck you. We're not doing business. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or at least like I get that doing nothing is also a stance that a company can take in a situation like this. Yeah, they could so, have just as easily said our players don't speak for us. Yeah, which yeah. is like right. And which that's kind of what we talked about uh earlier today whenever we first kind of got together and we were just kind of giving over our initial thoughts on it, you know, as we're getting ready. I kind of even said I'm like the best way to handle this seems like the opposite of like PR 101. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Like this is well, like the like pol- not polar opposite because they are taking an action with it and they yeah. are it's they're using the mindset of we're coming down bringing the hammer down on this but this might not be the best example to do that. Right. Like this is this is a this is a line the fucking tightest tightrope you can walk. I mean this is really something that they're opening up a whole nother can of worms, a bigger ball of wax. It doesn't get work. any bigger than international politics. No, and, and this, in this, the um, player uh, Blitzchung probably knew that he was going to be reprimanded for it, and right. he thought that it was worth the time and yeah. whatever he received for doing so th- said thing, mm-hmm. because the Chinese government knows who the fuck this guy is. They, they yeah. have his first and last name. Right. The thing that I would have to look into, and obviously we've spoken at length about this, but we would have to know exactly how their contracts are laid out when they're in this grandmaster class mm-hmm. and when they're playing competitively in, in Hearthstone. Yeah. Because maybe their contract says that when they sign on and they're in this grandmaster, maybe they're a likeness of Blizzard. And even yeah. if like that sucks for the player because it's a really bad contract. And yeah. this is when you need to get lawyers involved because yeah. esports as a whole is evolving. And we see a players union and counter-strike has formed and it's hiring OG players like I'm talking like Sean Garris is is a big player who's also a commentator in most of it. Uh, Jordan Nothing Gilbert is a part of the union, kind of working towards the players because for a little bit there, 2015 2016, the players are kind of like getting strong armed by these orgs because the orgs have all the money and they can hire these super smart lawyers that can just put shit in their contracts that really yeah. were were hamstringing players to the point where. They play for a month, their their game goes to shit, 
they get benched and for 11 months they're forced to sit there and play pickup games yeah. for 11 months until their contract's up and then they're finally free. Right. They're, they're getting these things involved and this is something that we will touch on maybe next party chat, maybe when if we branch off and have an esports uh, show, mm-hmm. but contract negotiations and what players need to do as individuals to protect themselves is evolving, it's changing. And like this is a situation where if a lawyer would have reviewed this player's contract, the lawyer would have told him, hey, I know you paid me $1,500 to read through this contract, but by the way, if you sign on to this, you are a Blizzard employee and you can't yeah. be yeah. out of line. You have, like, you have to be ho-hum, I love Blizzard, and you're an employee, period. Whatever you say online, whatever you say on stream, yeah. is all going to be held against you. Yeah. And if that's the way the contract's worded, I could see terminating him as a player from the grandmaster or whatever. Right. But I think like rescinding the prize pool is what really yeah. gets my blood boiling because yeah. like how can you make this person lose their prize pool money that they put all this time and effort into? It's, it's just very really wild, unfair. Wild West, yeah, it's like, so it's weird. Not, it's not. Yeah, it's just a crazy situation. Like I said, we're probably not going to hear the last of it. Yeah, this will, this will only be evolving. Blizzard's going to have to make a statement because there is people like Slasher on Twitter, uh, Rod uh, or what's his name, Rod. Uh, I forget how to pronounce yeah, his last yeah. name, Barlow or yes, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, he's a big media presence on Twitter, and a lot of people follow him. And he's been very vocal in his displeasure with Blizzard, and a lot of other people and personalities have been very upset with blizzard and their stance on this and like we briefly touched on you could make i understand that blizzard is probably in a lose-lose they either say nothing and china's mad at them or they do this and now everyone's mad at them what do they do but at the end of the day i think that going just being like Whatever that whatever was there said has on our to be stream, at least like something closer to a middle ground. Right, right. All yeah. they did was they stamped out, and you know, Europe's gonna be watching this. Yeah. You know, the French they love their revolutions. I mean, <laughs> not to get. Eh, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a I'm in a French Revolution class right now in school, and man, like they're watching. There, you know, there's a lot of people out there and countries out there that are probably pro Hong Kong protest, and they're just keeping their mouth shut because yeah. it's not time yet. Hopefully it never becomes time because Lord save us all whenever that time does come. Yeah. But um, from what little I know of Hong Kong's political history, it's such a weird ball of wax. Like, yeah. I think about 20 years ago, it was still like a British colony of sorts. Yeah. And then it was handed back over to mainland, but it's kind of one country, two systems. It's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It's, but, like I said, this definitely won't be the last we hear. This may be kind of a big tentpole, you know, part to the movement of, like you were saying, unionization in esports. And players' generality, rights. I'm yeah. talking, you know, blanket statement union. In and e-sport. streamers. Because I had no idea there was Twitches. a players' union. That the, oh, the fact for that CSGO? Yeah. yeah. The fact mm-hmm. that they're organizing is awesome. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, they're, they're organizing to um, get, like, better tournament dates. So they have – because there's always a player break after the last – major of the year mm-hmm. and that's part of the union working with these tournament tournament organizers saying hey like our players are getting burnt out you got to give them a three or four month window where they can kind of just like for three or four weeks just kind of like disconnect yeah recharge i mean really and, yeah they really the needed an off season yeah. and because what was happening was is these majors were happening and then tournaments like DreamHack were popping up or um, Intel Extreme Masters. And it, they were just putting them in the dead space yeah. in between yeah. majors. And team and players are like, I'm playing 
24-7, 12 months a year, I can't take it anymore. I can't play at this level yeah. for this length. So yeah. I'm sure this is the beginning of that, and we'll cover it in length going forward for sure because this is not the last you'll hear of it. Yeah. And uh, I'm just happy that everyone's eyes are getting opened to yeah. the bullshit that players and streamers put up with. Absolutely, and, you know, just the what's going on in the world too. Yeah. yeah so definitely. Um, before we move into party chat, uh, just since we were going a little long in there, which is good because I wanted to have a, you know, a deep discussion. The more we started evolving in that conversation, I, it, it felt right to keep going with that. But I uh, just wanted to touch on just a heads up, just because this is one of the biggest games of the year so far that was going to come out. Doom Eternal is delayed until March of 2020. But just kind of going in, this is the statement coming from Doom's Twitter account, so probably straight from id Software. Um, Throughout the development of Doom Eternal, our goal has been to deliver a game that exceeds your greatest expectations across the board. To make sure we're delivering the best experience for Doom Eternal to live up to our standards of speed and polish, we've made the decision to extend our launch date by a few months to March 20th, 2020. We know many fans will be disappointed by this delay, but we are confident that Doom Eternal will deliver a gaming experience that's worth the wait. In addition to shift the Doom Eternal launch date, we've made a couple other changes we want you to know about. Invasion Mode, which will allow you to enter another player's game as a playable demon, will release as a free update shortly after launch. Doom Eternal for Nintendo Switch will release after the other platforms. We will announce that date in the future. Doom 64 will be available on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC in addition to Nintendo Switch. We are adding Doom... I accidentally wrote Zoom. <laughs> we are adding Doom 64 as a pre-order bonus for Doom Eternal on all platforms, so you'll be able to download and play the classic game for free just for pre-ordering Doom Eternal. Doom 64 will release on March 20th, 2020 on all platforms. We are grateful to every Doom fan for your dedication and support. We can't wait to rip and tear right alongside you. This doesn't shock me. Um, you know, just real quick before we head into party chat. It doesn't shock me because Doom Eternal really is much more than just your carbon cut, cookie cutter sequel that you normally see with F uh, FPS titles. It's taking what that excellent foundation that Doom 2016 had that kind of shaped everyone's perception of what FPS campaigns can be from kind of standalone experiences and is really kind of starting to build like a mansion or castle on top of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it really felt like multiplayer in that game. was second. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly because it felt a lot like an Unreal Tournament game. Yes, very much but with that. you're right. And it felt, for the first time in a long time, the multiplayer was an afterthought with this right. game. Which, in, you know, by all means, different strokes, different folks. But very much so, they set out saying, you know, it's software set out saying, like, look, this is what we want, you know, first and foremost, we want this to be at heart a Doom game. And what mm -hmm. is Doom? First and foremost, it was a single-player campaign. Yep. So, um, you know, really, with this expansive campaign that they're kind of billing Eternal to be, which is, you know, what they said, around 20 hours long for a regular playthrough, which is awesome, you know, plus multiple multiplayer campaigns <coughs> and service-style modes on top of that, it's a pretty big jump. So do you think this, just kind of, you know, right from the hip before we move in, do you guys think this delay was pretty much inevitable? Um, and even with Eternal using a lot of, I'm sure, 2016's assets and the same engine and whatnot, the scope of the game kind of paired with that drive to still keep it Doom at heart, it just seems like it's such a big hurdle to face. Even like, you know, what, a three-year jump between 2016 and now? 
Um, plus, I mean, God, there's how many games launching November, between October and November of 2019? Even though moving this to March of 2020 is even worse, probably. <laughs> it's going to be a great compliment to uh, the new Animal Crossing that comes out in March. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, even looking at it, you know, we got Last of Us Part Two, uh, the 20th of February, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is, like, going to sell, like, gangbusters to so many people, um, on the 3rd of March, this, um, Animal Crossing, like you said, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 launching in April, and then even Marvel's Avengers in May. Like, there's just so much large-scale AAA projects that are coming out there. But, I mean, what do you guys think? This seems like me, like, the more I thought about it, and the closer we got to, like, November, I was like... Really? It's coming out in November? Like, yeah. Are you sure? Like, hey, but at the same time, Death Stranding is coming out. It's It went gold. It's ready to go. And I thought that game wasn't coming out for like two more years. So what do you guys think? I think uh, as a software developer, like the best laid plans never survive contact with reality. Yeah. So like, I don't know how long they've had it in the works. I know we mentioned that they've had some uh, reused assets and stuff like that. But even then... Um, a delay shouldn't be that much of a surprise for a project of this scale, you know? As uh, Shigeru Miyamoto always says, a delayed game is eventually good, a bad game is bad forever. Yeah, exactly. And granted, updates and whatnot, it's a little different, you know, you gotta tweak it was that a different for 2019, time. but at the same time, really... Yeah, but look at No Man's Sky. It, it, how it came like, back? It did, but... At like, launch, you would think that game's dead in the water, but point being, yes, if we're looking at what you release day and date, I mean... It I should be. It should be. You want to have the strong. You you want to take the first. Your right. first step should be very strong. Right. Yeah. You want to get off on good foot. What a long tail they've been working with. Like. Yeah. But back to Doom. Uh, I don't think it's a huge surprise that they're delaying, and I think it's a good decision. Yes. Mm. Overall, 100%. better than trying to crunch it in for a November release, and then yeah. you know maybe patching some stuff in later or having certain things be unfinished, and then it's like, well, it's too far out now. Like it's let, maybe they just push it into the next yeah. game. Like we would be missing out in if order they tried to, get to rush it, it. In order to get it on disc and send it out, it would have to have been done. Like yeah, like now it has to be done. It has to be in production now. Kojima, right. uh, it was like two weeks ago, so like. Late September, mid September, he's announcing that the game won uh, Death Stranding won gold, and yeah. it's releasing the eighth or the eighth. Uh, yes, November eighth. Okay. For um, those of us in the audience and uh, around the table, what does going gold mean? Uh, going gold is whenever it's it's kind of an antiquated thing now, just because of digital becoming so much bigger, and now it games comes from are getting, record sales, right? Kind of. Well, no, really, it's. What it was was when games were pressed, the final build of a game was pressed, whatever was being shipped out to manufacturers to get the discs made, it was they were basically gold discs. Like to an extent that the DVDs that they were being put onto were actually gold. They were rewritable, like they oh, okay. were writable that they just happened to be gold. So developers refer to it as, hey, we went gold. Like that was internally what they would go with. Okay. But um That's yeah, a cool turn it's, of phrase. It, yeah, it's kind of antiquated at this point. Yeah, you didn't learn that from Game Dev Tycoon. Come on man. Yeah, no, man. Fuck? <laughs> uh, well, I might have figured it out if I had put it together. Did you ever hear about uh this is a complete tangent. Did you ever hear about the guy who found a StarCraft source code disc? Mm -hmm. Oh no, I yeah, haven't. Like, random, like I think that I remember that disc being gold. Yeah. 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 So, so. they uh, but yeah, that that's what going gold means. I mean, even now it's kind of antiquated because ninety nine percent of games have a day one patch that yeah. comes out with yeah. and whatnot. So they're always changing up until release date. But point being, you know, 
even if they're going gold, that's a month and a half out. That gives them, you know, probably we're looking at four weeks or so at the most to get, you know, discs produced and whatnot and then start to get them shipped out to retailers because they have them ahead. You know, some retailers have them two weeks ahead of, you know, street date. So it's, you know, it doesn't shock me. It just doesn't shock me that this is delayed. And to me, I'm in the mindset of this is, I love Doom. I love Doom 2016. It's one of, to be honest, it's one of my favorite games of this gen. Like, I will go to bat for that game, um, and it's one of the best single-player experiences, hands down. Is 2016 on the Switch? Yes, and that's actually, I bought it on PS4 originally, never really beat it, but then bought it on Switch because I was like, oh, I have the Switch, I'll take it everywhere with me. I'll actually, and that's how I beat it the first time, which is crazy with how fast that game is. Yeah. And it, I think it played Perfect, not perfectly, but excellent on the Switch. It was, it was much more than just good enough. Let's put it that way. I might um, have to pick that up on Switch. It's, it's honestly. I'll let you borrow it next time I we come by. Oh, I'll you have it on cart. Yeah, I have okay. it on cart, so I'll bring it by. Um, okay. but it is, it's a great, great, great game to play. Um, so it's, it's really, I'm, I'm really happy to see them take this mindset of, hey, we just want to make sure we get it right, and I wish you know more developers did that, and more are starting to do it, but. All right, so let's head into our main segment, the party chat segment. If you're new to the show, this is a segment where we take questions and topics from you, the listener, and talk it all out. So, first question comes from Not Spider Man 16. He's back. He's back. He's back. He heard Mike and was just like, I called him out. Fucking let this guy win. I got it. I got to show up. Yeah, what the fuck, Not Spider Man 16? So, Not Spider Man 16 is back. His question. Here it goes. My question is twofold. First, what is an element of gameplay that will turn you off of a game or make you not want to finish it if you started it? In turn, what is an element that immediately drags you in and you enjoy, even making you want to 100% a game? Mike, since you called his ass out, <laughs> I want you, you're up to bat first. Um, a game element of gameplay that will turn me off of a game is difficulty created by camera. So a mm-hmm. uh, game that comes to mind... Uh, Resident Evil, but Resident Evil, you can manipulate it with the 180 spins and everything, so it's not so bad. Are you talking like OG? Or are um, you talking just like, like, in like RE2? Well, like every Resident Evil up until like the first person games, basically. Like right, RE7, right, yes, yes. right? So yeah, the original like ones with the tank controls and shit yeah. like that. Yes, 100%. Where like you're running one way and you have to hit a button combination to spin around 180. Like yeah. that's difficult, but it's manageable and it's not horrible. The game that really comes to mind is The Evil Within, which is a reason why I never finished it because it just felt like the camera was like they made the game unnecessarily difficult because the camera was horrible and they tried to make it Resident Evil-y yeah. almost. Well, it was from the, one of the creators. Yeah, Evil, so, so like that's a game that I literally just put to the side and never played again because I felt like the camera controls were so bad I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Um, what is an element that immediately drags you in and you enjoy even making you want 100% it? Like what's, what's an element to a game that really... You really like it'll hook you and be like, oh, I love it. Probably anything that pertains to um, rewarding skill in a game. So things that come to mind are hidden combos and Ninja Gaiden that are difficult to hit that do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, Fallout Four for as not as bad as it was, but as for unenjoyable Flawed. as it was for me. Um, the fact that you could use a not as good of a weapon, but still get crit hits for shooting people in the head with skill, Mm -hmm. that was really enjoyable to me. So it it actually pushed me through that game 
much further than I would have gotten for a lot of different reasons. So just rewarding a skill in a game, um, you know, in Halo, when you hit headshots with a sniper on elites or using the noob combo in Halo 2 because that's the only way to get through legendary, (laughs) like (laughs) things of that nature, you know what I mean? Just rewarding someone for being good at something is, is comes to mind. So not letting a lot of RNG get into it, I suppose would be another way to put that. Um, Mm. Keeping it skill-based is enjoyable. Definitely. Marshy, let me hear it. So I'm going to start with the positive one because I've had more time to think about it. For some reason, any game with some kind of like tech progression, like a tech tree, something where you traverse. Like a skill tree. It could be a skill tree, although I'm less keen on like common. You know how it's like a, it's like a trope. It's a common thing to Mm -hmm. triple A action titles where you'll have like a three tiered tree and there's like three different flavors of abilities that Mm -hmm. you can increase that not as much. But more so in like strategy or RPG type games where you traverse oh. a, a tech tree of some kind or go through upgrades. Upgrade systems, honestly, they kind of pull me in. Really? Yeah. So, for instance, I've been playing Kenshi, mm-hmm. right? And one of the driving forces of me coming back to that game is I got to fill out the tech tree. Because yeah. you start off as one person in some of the setups. Mm-hmm. You start off as one person in a city and you can gather and recruit other people mm-hmm. and you start researching technology to build your own outpost and it kind of goes from being an rpg like a single player rpg to being a little bit more squad based mm-hmm. i mean it's still single player but it's multiple characters you control mm-hmm. to almost becoming like going into rts territory because you're building a base you're setting up defenses you're working production lines and equipping all your people and like the upgrade tree is what keeps me coming back because I'm like, I got to keep grinding for money and I yeah. got to keep going out and buying those materials for right. research and I got to keep getting more gear and getting the better stuff. And by the time I reach the end of it, I'm like, now what? <laughs> so that's one of the, that's a, like a big motivator for me in any game. Uh, any RTS, honestly, they're going to have upgrade pads. Where right. Like, this yeah. is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, just like getting through the campaign of like, starcraft 2 for instance where i'm like mm-hmm. i gotta get all these research points right right get all these bonuses yeah. something that turns me off of a game or makes me not want to finish it is a bit tougher but i want to say like because you're pretty open with a lot of stuff pretty much yeah but w- one thing i know i'm not really into is like i guess like uh i'm not really a big fan of like randomized rewards in some games it depends on how it's handled but for instance like any kind of gotcha game i don't mm-hmm. know if you've like oh yeah that that's a mobile genre like the fire is. emblem uh what yeah is it? fire Fate. emblem fates uh no. no fire emblem heroes i think yes. it's called or something like that. something like that the mobile one there's also fate grand order uh, a brief description of what you mean like basically you have to get good roles in order like like to unlock things to be able to progress yeah, through the it's game. Like, it's like whenever you play, you earn like you earn drops or something like yeah. that. And the drops are RNG based. Okay. And I think in some of these games you can like grind your bad drops into some kind of dust that you can sell back to buy. Or you can just drop. pay to get good drops. Or you could just pay to get good drops. Oh yeah. And it's based Mobile on <laughs> it's based on I think the term comes from gachapon machines in it Japan. Is, yes. Where like you put in a quarter and it's we kind of have them in the U.S. They would be in, like, supermarkets where you put in a quarter and there's all these little figurines inside plastic mm-hmm. capsules and one of them will pop out. 
Yeah. These games are basically that to an extreme. And that's just something that's never really appealed to me. Another thing that kind of ties in with that is, uh, for example, the way Overwatch handles loot. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't buy anything that you want. Um, Hearthstone does this. uh, Artifact does this. A lot of card games do this. You can't buy the items you want even if you like have the money to pay for right. them like hey i want to give you 10 bucks for this yeah i just want this one damn yeah. skin just let me have and that's this. what fortnite does great like yeah. give it to fortnite they at least granted their store is ever revolving and you got it hey if you want it you better buy it now and yeah. that gives you that sense of urgency to go out and actually spend the money yeah but point being they let you they offer you hey yeah, there's only some things you can get in a battle pass, but here are all the exclusive skins that we have going on right now. Here's the Batman skin. Uh-huh. Here's the Avenger skin that we have going for you. The John Wick skin, whatever. Yeah. Uh, or CS:GO, if you want the house skin bad enough, just pay 800 bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or let the market decide how much expensive. And it, and it wasn't our intention to create a market, by the way. We didn't want to create the economy. Yeah. We just made a HAL M4A4 drop once every 300,000 times. So by by normal um, supply and demand, guess what? Yeah, it kind of happened. You, yeah, you create demand by reducing supply. <laughs> So, I don't know. There's not a lot of games I can think of where I've started, gotten into them, and been like, oh, this is making me not want to play anymore. It's more like I avoid these types of games. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. There's, I've kind of been like that with a lot of RTSs and things like that, but also, too, with the mechanics of, it's just, uh, why? Like, like, yeah, it's like, why? Like, who actually, different strokes for different folks, but... Who finds that just like, I guess it's the degenerate gamblers out there are just like, and not Mike degenerate gambler, the one who's like... Mike plays games of Skilly. He's not there with the one-armed bandit just right. getting a rush every time <laughs> yeah. he hits bars. Just, yeah, baby. Let me see them lights light up. Lights up his palm malls and gets himself a Miller like <laughs> It's Tom. <laughs> so, uh, on my end, really one of the things, ultimate turnoff is overtly grinding and mm. anything that really like stalled progression. Like, I cannot stand and like i talk about it a lot time is the most valuable resource that we have Mm -hmm. um our free time specifically and like i love playing story-based games i love playing games that are very much there is a progression goal at the end of it whether it be narratively or actually like you see it progressing like games like i know some people love them like destiny i've never Mm. been able to get in because the grind is just overbearing. Like people are like, oh, I live for the grind. That's what that's part of the the fun of the game. And no, I'm like, it's not. no, it's not. <laughs> like to me, it's not. If that's your thing, like you love replaying missions and stuff like that to go and try to get bigger loot and whatnot, that's great. That's not for me. Like that's such a turnoff to me that it's like, I have to. I'm all about putting in the time. Like I've gotten platinum trophies. I've gotten things like that where it's like, you got to go through and get that. But there's yeah. a level of progression that it's like, if it's grindy, I don't go and do it. Like. Yeah. So that's just such a huge, huge turnoff to me. Um, Hard agree there. That to me just communicates like, hey, we're not very confident that our content is like good enough to keep you coming back. So we're going to make you repeat a lot of it. Yeah, yeah that's like kind of like Diablo 2. Um, when you try to like beat hell mode, basically, like you can kind of get through act one hell mode without the best gear. Yeah. When you start getting to act two, act three, act four. You kind of have to go back and do a bunch of nightmare runs on bosses just to find to get gear. gear. That's good enough. Like just to get you through. Yeah. So I can I can understand that. One thing that does, and it's not necessarily a gameplay aspect that does. I do really draw in. I know I was talking about Concrete Genie earlier that I'm excited to play that. Yeah. It's not a gameplay style, but it could play into it. I guess. 
I love a good art style, a good unique art style. Okay, like For anything sure. that makes a game stick out. That I'm like, like Cuphead. Yeah. Oh my god. Like I'm so bad at Cuphead. Like I've been playing it now for well over a year now since I got on Xbox. Like we're talking maybe eighteen months, something like that. And I'm only on like the second island or whatever. But that game's so beautiful, and it's so. It's one of those games, also too, that like the difficulty spike is not. Yeah, there's sometimes where it's like, ah, oh, was that fair even? But then I'm like, <laughs> then I think about it, it's like, well, no, I could have used a different ability there. I could have done so. Where it's like, no, I just need to, quote unquote, get good. Like, yeah. Very Dark Souls esque, but um, yeah, a good art style to me. But what was before in. Dark Souls? What? Ninja Gaiden. True. So it's Ninja Gaiden esque. True. Ninja Gaiden esque. <laughs> Let's start that. That's just be being snobby. No, no, no. Let's start that. <laughs> Let's push that shit. Um, so, all right. Next one comes from Mike O. Mike so, O. Mike O. Who? Mike O. <laughs> shout out to Mike O. Thanks for writing in, bro. Shout out to Mike Jones. Found out the other, not that long ago. He listens to us? No, no, no. Fuck. Which Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Who knows? I mean, Ice-T, that dude, just talking rappers in general, is like a diehard gamer. So Maybe. What up, oh, Ice-T? What up, Ice-T? Loved you in uh, Law & Order. Yeah, I was going to say. Our friend Tanya, she wants to talk to you. <laughs> um, get her hooker up with Dick Wolf. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but no, Mike Jones. Does Tanya listen to the show? Yes, Tanya does listen to the show. Our oh, that's cool. Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Yeah, yeah I, at least I imagine she does. She's vocal about it. So, um, But Mike Jones, thought he was dead. I'm not going to lie. Like I thought Mike Jones was Did just Did he just like, come out with new music? Yeah. <laughs> He's putting out a new album in 2019. Let's go, baby. Girl, I gotta be next to you, Mike Jones. So Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot. Hoes all on me. Yeah, Mike Jones running train. Oh, shit. I know what I want to tell you guys. All right, so I swear we'll get through to the next question after this. So same train the other day, we were, uh, my fiance and I were at a friend's house. We were playing board games. I might Snapchat you guys about uh, the game that I said we should play. Ox Bellows. The Ox Bellows. Oi, governor. He looks like he, he's 23, but he looks like he's 47. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, hell of a drug. But there's a train by their house. And when it was going by, it did the... And I was like, you know, oh, another train. And I made the, uh, the standby me reference or whatnot. But then I thought, I'm like, you know, what if? So what if, instead of an actual train, like you hear that come by, what if it was like an actual, like, what if it was like the train dance, like the wedding, and you just start, <laughs> what are you talking about, come on everybody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you fucking, you just hear it and you're like, oh no, they're back, <laughs> and all you hear is like, Come on around it. They just fucking bust, just bust down your door. You start hearing the fucking ambulance come around. Come on around that train. No! I saw it! No! Is this going in the show? It, was only, it only took us 50 episodes to get completely fucking off topic. Like, nobody Like, just okay. imagine that. You're just sitting there, and all you hear is... You're like, about to eat dinner. And all you hear is... Table starts rumbling, your glass is just, shaking. They're back. And you just hear the door come in. Come on, rather train. They're just fucking ramming into you. You're fucking dead. Now your wife goes on and marries a new guy because you want her to move on and, you know, when you're gone and to live her life. But then you also want her to mourn for a few months or whatnot. Anyways, I'm getting off track. Anyways, next question. 
Mike O. Mike. Like the jellyfish from SpongeBob with that fucking speaker episode when they want him to play that loud ass music. Anyways, getting back on track. I just had to say that. 15 episodes in it. That's when we finally uh, cracked, folks. It really is. I think I have gone fucking cyclonic. Anyways, next up comes from Mike O. So, in terms of, Mike O asks, in terms of gaming, what do you have blind faith in? It could be a developer, a certain individual attached to a project, i.e. Hideo Kojima, a franchise, hardware manufacturer, whatever. With a continuing importance put on consumers to do research ahead of their purchases in our society, including yourselves to a degree, I'm curious to hear what your opinions are on this. And I know I kind of mentioned it earlier saying, you know, blind faith with things like that, uh, you know, Naughty Dog and whatnot, and that's obviously one of my answers, but what do you guys, do you guys have any blind faith in gaming? I know Mike kind of is really, ooh, you know. Uh, I've, got about, my, I've got my heart broken so many times yeah, at this point, man. I don't know that I have it blind is, faith uh, If you anymore. ask me, it's much rarer right now. And that's also because there's such a wider gamut of, you know, products and projects and experiences available for gamers to actually and criticism to consume and be like absolutely oh, yeah to actually turn a critical eye to the stuff that i mean look at us, us doing this podcast i mean it's not everybody you asked does mass it. effect i did ask mass effect on xbox one backwards compatibility so more of the story go buy an xbox 360 and play it on that yes um but blind faith i mean for me like i said developer standpoint naughty dog they can put out a hot flaming turd on a plate and tell me hey this is a hot flaming turd but it's probably going to be a pretty damn good hot flaming turd if i think so at because least it's spicy it, they're one of those developers That's spicy nuggies they're and, and granted it doesn't i'm sure different strokes different folks like i say but to me they just they it's like the it's like when you're gambling and you're on a hot streak it's like it's got to end sometime like they put out they did uncharted one it was a great base. Like, it was better than most, but not as great as they wanted it to be. Then went to Uncharted 2, and it blew everyone out of the water. Uncharted 3, still really great. Then went to The Last of Us, that, you know, set, won all these awards and is considered a modern masterpiece, to Uncharted 4, that lived up to everyone's expectations and more, to now what it seems like The Last of Us 2 was going to do, or Part 2 was going to do as well, where people are just like, they gotta have a stinker they mm. gotta like they can't it, everything's been great if not better like yeah. the bare minimum for them has been great so it, it, i don't have to see a review i don't have to see game preview i don't have to see yeah anything. you're gonna buy it i'm gonna buy it. i, I pre-ordered the collector's edition right as it went on sale i yeah. pre-ordered that and the special edition just in case i want to switch it off like you know what i mean like yeah. I, i'm buying that game day one no matter what as soon as possible yeah it, it's you don't even have to ask me but you know to me that's probably you know the single one that i can think of i don't have you mentioned kojima a lot of people say kojima because they love his gameplay aspects they love you know the way that he develops and designs games really i i agree but i don't have that personal affinity with him but really if there's anything it's it, it, from a dev developer standpoint especially the past this gen really you know naughty dog hands down you know there's no if sands or butts i'm buying a naughty dog game and I would recommend anybody buy an audio dog game without anything. Adam, what do you think? Um, I guess do you have any blind faith? I, I think I do, but I want to start with a caveat. Icebox? Or Icepick Lodge? Sorry. Icepick Lodge. They have games in their catalog that I have not played yet. I think there's one called... Uh... You mean you have games in your Steam library? 
no, from them. I haven't uh, bought them, but they have released games. I think the one that's most prominent is called The Void. Yeah. But I haven't even like looked at gameplay of. So I'll probably check something out from them eventually. But I wanted to preface my uh, confession of blind faith with a caveat, and that's that like it can get a little bit dangerous to have blind faith like i'm gonna sit here and tell you that i do have that one thing that i will always go out and buy whenever it's released no matter what but i'm also gonna tell you like the left hand doesn't know what the right is doing um believing in like auteur theory of game development uh it gets applied to hideo kojima a lot i don't know if that's fair because he does he does give credence to the like actual team that he works with right he's the face of it but um he's not like trying to take all of the credit for everything that's done there, but there are developers who do, who will lead a project and say that they like hold the entire creative vision for the project. And maybe they do who say that they do the majority of the work on a project. And like, unless you're a completely solo indie developer, which there really aren't that many of those. Yeah. That's tough to do. Like anyone who releases an indie game, even if they're working mostly by themselves has to have support from somebody. Yeah. They hire an artist to help them. Like they have to get help. Like you can't do it yourself because by the time you do, it feels like the game, like if you're developing an Xbox one game, you're doing it all by yourself entirely by yourself. feels like the system's going to be dead by the time you even are done with it. Right. Right. And like, there's even more than just development that goes into making a game available. Like, yeah. Even if you do all of the coding, all of the art assets, all of the music and sound, all of the whatever, there's still going to be marketing and publishing and customer service and all this other stuff that like one person can't wear that many hats. So if you have blind faith in a series or a studio or something like that, a hardware manufacturer, that's fine. Just be aware that there's always more than just one individual behind the projects that you have blind faith in. With that being said, the Legend of Zelda series is my blind faith Fuck, series, and you should have I, called it. As soon as I went out there and was pouring a drink, I instantly thought, I was like, what the fuck? Really, anything Nintendo puts out. Like, yeah. They have anything from R&D Nintendo like, is going to be great. Like The level of polish and whatnot, even if it isn't my cup of tea gameplay-wise, yeah. it's going to be great. So, like, but... Like you're saying, but the like, of Zelda I have to focus it into Zelda just because, like, I haven't bought every Mario game that's ever come out because they're not always Same. my cup of tea. But, like, I, I do think they every have... Zelda game that's come out, really, that's been mainline, I bought. Yeah. And it's, I've enjoyed it very thoroughly. If I own the system that it's coming out on, or yep. if it looks good enough that I want to buy the system, cough, switch, cough, that it's going <laughs> to come out on, yeah. like, I can pretty much be guaranteed that I'm going to be in for something good. whether or not it's a flawless experience i mean absolutely not but i'm always going to buy these games because they're just like ensconced in my personal mythology so much that like i can't not play the next it's in your gaming dna yeah exactly it is is structurally in your gaming dna and same with me i mean ocarina time is what really defined my love like true passion that i was like this is something i'm going to do for the rest of my life Mm, i knew that five years old so and every Zelda game is so different, and yet somehow yeah. they manage to keep this like consistent through line. Like there's something about every game that feels consistent. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna keep coming back for more. If they if they keep putting out like Skyward Sword style, eh, like I don't know. I played a little bit of it, but I didn't buy that game. Mm-hmm. If they keep doing stuff like that, maybe my thoughts will change. I'll be like, maybe I'll give this one a miss. Right. But if they keep putting out stuff like 
like I bought Twilight Princess when it came out. Mm-hmm. I bought A Link Between Worlds. Mm-hmm. I guess some of the handheld ones I have given a miss. Uh, the Spirit Tracks and the whatever. Some of those intervening titles. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Console Zeldas is my blind faith. 100%. Moving on to Mike. I think this one might surprise the two in the room for sure. Some of my friends that are listening to this show absolutely going to be shocked on what I give blind faith to. <clears throat> Adam's not going to be surprised. I have a f- I have like three picked. So as has been chronicled for every episode, I've had blind faith before. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and I've been super disappointed by people that I've had 100% blind faith in. <laughs> and Bungie was one of them until reach bethesda was one of them until fallout 4 because even though i wasn't the fondest of skyrim i, I could still throw I was about to call the bethesda i could throw it a bone yeah bethesda no not anymore fallout 76 was buns i mean they have some stinkers on their track record now sure 343 has never touched the mark since right. getting halo uh, the Epic team, before giving up Gears, made some stinkers. So Gears was going to be one of them, but not, not Judgment was horrible. And uh, I'm going to go... This is going to be a shocker. Oh, boy. Drum roll, please. Adam already said it. What? Zelda. Console Zeldas. Even though I don't even own a Switch. Really? I have never played a console Zelda that I didn't think was, like, awesome. Like, sure. So you didn't think, like... Th- Okay, I may not necessarily like the game. Like, it may not. Be no, like, don't give but me. But like, you know, like that's a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, so <clears throat> I have been a little vocal in bashing Nintendo mm-hmm. with Breath of the Wild. Like the game, I love it. It's awesome. Right. It was incredible. Like yeah. they that's revolutionized one of my favorite, Zelda. Favorite gaming memories of this gen. Incredible. Us piling into Adam's basement yeah. that weekend. Yeah. I got the Switch. Yeah. And us just playing it till we went numb. Yeah. But, like, since being a little kid and my brother having the gold cartridge Zelda mm-hmm. for NES, mm-hmm. all the way up through playing Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, playing Wind Waker at Adams, playing Twilight Princess, mm-hmm. and then playing Breath of the Wild, like, console Zeldas have just been really close to flawless since all the way back to NES. Yeah. Just so good. Like, even the second Zelda on NES, which was kind of, like, it, it was, was kind of goofy. It, it, it was, was kind of goofy, but like, yeah. you know, it well, was their first like move into like three. D- like Zelda they were trying Mania. to like, yeah, like they were trying to do yeah. some new things, which was cool. But like the only argument I had against Breath of the Wild on the Switch was the fact that this like the heart like the hardware couldn't handle like. Yeah. I'm just I'm just upset that it couldn't have been on a PC where they could have just like blown your fucking yeah. like they could have blown you to like smithereens right. like you would just exploded. It struggles to get 30 frames a second. Which in some areas docked. Yeah, which is a yeah. bummer. But yeah, Zelda is one of them. Um, Cyberflix <laughs> games going Ooh, way back wow. with Dust to Tale of the Wild, yeah. Wired West, and the Titanic game. Um, oh. Uh, I think that Cyberflix was incredible for their time, and those were, like you could give me a Cyberflix game and I would play it. If, if they came back from the dead, and said, I would hey, play it. We have a new game. Baker sitting up in the coffin, just I would play <laughs> it. And I have no clue what dust like a tale of the Wired West. Like if I could buy that IP yeah. and make it new with better like 
art and everything, I yeah. would do it in a heartbeat. Like, great game. So, yeah. Cyberflix and Zelda. Like, I went way against the green. I think everyone yeah. that is going to be listening to I this... I did not expect you to say Cyberflix. Like, yeah. I, trust me, like, I'm all for you saying, like, I've seen... We played through Dust multiple, multiple, multiple times. And we played through Titanic as well. Like, I just wouldn't have expected you, just because they're not producing yeah. games anymore. Like, yeah. I See, just... The coolest thing about Dust to Titanic, mm-hmm. while Cyberflix isn't making games anymore, and you guys probably, some of you are not even going to know what the hell I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Dust, when you were playing through the game, there were puzzles and there were things that you had to talk to people in town and like get hints on what yeah. to do. And you had to pay attention to what you the hell you were doing. For a point-and-click game, it was very immersive. You just couldn't yeah. progress through the game. They like built upon that and in titanic you could but you could just be doomed to where the playthrough you were fucked like you were never gonna win right and you had to start all over and figure out what the hell did i do wrong because it was actually timed and you could just run out of time literally so yeah cyberflix and zelda both and that's still actually blind faith stuff like that still found um imran khan who was formerly with game informer who's now doing stuff with kind of funny on their games cast this past week, I believe, he was talking about uh, Dragon Quest Eleven on Switch and him saying there's an option that you could turn on where NPCs can lie to you. Huh. Where that, like, if you're trying to get through a quest and you talk to people uh, in certain towns, like maybe you're wanted or whatnot, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, go to this waterfall over there where they'll lead you down the wrong path and send, like, guards after you. Huh. from there so it's like it's stuff like that where you, you don't know you're doomed like you're just going without like it's still found in games today. it's very rare yeah but it is still found in games today so stuff like that's cool god i love cyberflix bring I them think, back i think they kind of benefited from what i will call the firefly effect i don't know if there's another term for it but like when you have such a short run like that you're way more likely to have a flawless streak yeah like if cyberflix was still making games today you can probably guarantee there'd be some stinkers in there. Yeah, there's only three. Oh, okay, there's a few. So, I've played... I guess we've only played two of them, but I didn't know others existed. There's yet. six. There's okay. Red Jack, which is like their pirate one. Okay. Which that one might be interesting. Maybe I'll buy that one from Amazon if I can find it. We should look into it. For $60. It. But it's not going to be 60 bucks. But I still have the I old paid computer. 30 bucks for Titanic, so... We still have the old XP machine. We could resurrect that. Yeah. See, Dust is a game that if I could buy the IP, I would make a mobile game of Dust. And you could like, play it on mobile. Yeah. yeah. It's a point and click for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Text-based so. adventure. Like, yeah. I mean, they did have... It did have voice... You know, uh, it did have voiceovers in it, but... If you're like, Their if headquarters you're sitting... were in, was in Knoxville, Tennessee... Wow. Not a very techy area. Like I wouldn't no. think that that would be where I mean really the two the two biggest um gaming entities developer publisher are on the East Coast really Epic in Cary, North Carolina and um Bethesda in Rockville. Yeah. And that's in Maryland. RIP Cyberflix as of t- 1998 out of business since 98. Cool years, man. Some a lot of our listeners weren't even born, I'm sure. Like No. If you're, sitting, out of it. if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, what is Cyberflix? What is Dust, A Tale of the Wired West? What is Titanic, A Story Out of Time? Do yourself a favor and Google these games and, I don't know, look up gameplay on YouTube or something? Yeah. Because they're really interesting adventure games. They're in this early kind of PC and Macintosh era where it was sort of the Wild West of adventure games. Mm-hmm. You had stuff like no Monkey. No pun intended. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot of Let's Plays on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. 
speaking of, there's a lot of Let's Plays. Yeah. In 1080p somehow. So yeah. go check those out if you haven't heard of them. Highly recommended from all three of us. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to the next one. Uh, we're catching back up with our previous party chat. I want to make sure this one comes from Proper Dose. He wrote in last time. Um, you know, wanted to make sure he get, got in on this. So this one comes from him, Proper Dose 12. Yo, what do you think will be the deciding factor in which of the two next-gen consoles gets out to a head start? With that said, do you think that factor will lead to long-term success? And this is coming, we're recording uh, today where more PS5 news was officially launched via Sony in a Wired.com interview, which is wild to me that they're leaking information through these Wired.com exclusives. Uh, You know, a big blowout, I'm sure, is, you know, imminent, just like kind of last gen was. So coming in hot to this question, I haven't read much of the press release around PS5. I know oh no, it's not a press release. It is literally them giving exclusive info to Wired.com. Okay. For a, it's not like a press release. It's, so it's a single, an exclusive scoop. Yes. That they gave that to they're Wired. officially giving out that they then released in a blog post via okay. the PlayStation blog, which is just weird. That because, is, and this comes to like not after Sean Layden was leaving playstation their chairman of SIE, like it's just it's weird it's a weird time right now for the king of consoles really right now right so i've I've read a little bit about haptic feedback yes i've read about um some custom triggers Mm -hmm. that we're gonna be feedback really you can equate that to hd okay for the most part um uh more presence info about your friends list and mm-hmm. something about 8k about the resolution yeah and, and both consoles are going to be scalable to 8k so basically future proofing for yeah. this part um it's not much to go on at this point mm-hmm. but uh the hardware promises seem to be good mm-hmm. i think what really sells consoles coming into the next generation is going to be an affordable price point absolutely a significant improvement in hardware over the previous generation it can't mm-hmm. just be like the wii u where no one was really sure if it was a new console it can't be this half gen refresh either that we've got right. with x and pro right mm-hmm. you're not going to get much adoption there and you need killer apps to yes. move consoles you need games like we've saw this gen with I th- ps4 i think i think it's going to be a continuation of this generation's Dominance. Um, whoever has the better exclusives is going to be the one that people buy. Right. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, look. It, I mean, there's still the Xbox diehards and the PS PlayStation diehards. There will always be right. those but we, people. We're we're talking about like your swing buyers mm-hmm. who, who might have gone back and forth. I went back and, and we're talking right off the bat too. Like Robertos asks, like, what's going to give them a head start? Like, what's going to sell the console day one? One or the other. Yeah. Uh, like, what am I going to be able to do with it day one? But there that better could also be a... lead. What we were saying too, though, and I even agreed, kind of in my notes, that like from talking about, and I've said this for a few times, I think, but the two biggest reasons the PS4 jumped out to a ridiculous head start was it was a hundred dollars cheaper than the Xbox One. Uh-huh. Also, too, you didn't have to have the fucking connect on, and you were able to, you know. Yeah, the connect. What to, a disaster. They, Xbox uh, yeah. backtracked on how they, you know, game sharing and whatnot like that, but. Big thing was, it was $100 cheaper, it was $399.99 on launch day, and it had fucking games, good games. It had exclusive games, it had hits, it had its top-level IP coming out within the first year, right. where 
Halo wasn't out till year two, if not you know, almost year three. And not like, in a great shape at that. Late 2015, Halo 5s are releasing on there. Late 2014, MCC is coming out that's broken. Like, all of Sony's shit worked, too. Like, but it had killer apps. It had some of the best games of this gen and of all time. Like, but it had Bloodborne. God, of, God of War, Bloodborne, Uncharted 4. It had all of these games that just... And, even coming still, Last of Us Part Two. That's probably going to set records like Last of Us Part One did. Like, yeah. it's it, you got to have games, and it's got to be an affordable price. I can't see. Let's put it this way. I think I think four ninety nine is going to be the sweet spot for both consoles. Mm-hmm. I I can't see it going any less because the tech just won't. I mean, the, uh, console makers put out consoles and knowing that they're going to make a loss on it because they're hoping the software will make up for that ground right but they'll sell them at a loss but at the same time i can't see the tech that's being provided in there for what it's given right now i can't see it going any lower than 4.99 but i think 4.99 is a sweet spot i think that's going to get the people in the door because that's what a lot of them are paying for the most part for playstation i mean grand playstation 4 pro is even a little cheaper but xbox one x still is selling pretty well from what it sounds like at the 4.99 price point most times but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, what is the killer app going to be? They got Xbox Scarlet, got Halo Infinite. Does Halo still have the namesake that's going to drive sales? I still think so, but not as much, obviously. It's it's yeah. going to be a split because they're coming out on PC, which right. foreshadows the fact that Infinite's going to be available on PC. So Right, which it will be. I mean, yeah. they've already <laughs> said it's going to be on PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Infinite. Or Xbox Infinite. Xbox Scarlet. Um, yeah. But then at the same time, what's the killer app for the PS5? You know what? What's gonna sell? What's gonna be? Hey, day one, you're gonna want to buy a PlayStation Four for this game. Yeah. Not just hey, it does everything that probably Scarlet's going to do as well. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, it's the fucking games that matters. It's not gonna be a price difference this time. It's gonna be hey, what games sell? Because that's all we've seen this past gen. So, all right. Finally, moving into our last question comes from Hoot Slate. Hey guys, a few friends and I were doing a Let's Play one night a few weeks ago, the original Bioshock, and while reminiscing how excellent the first few hours of this game were, the discussion turned to other games with great interest. So my question is simple. What games do you think have the best intros of all time? It could be the first few hours or even the intro cinematics. The choice is up to you. Mike, what are some of your favorite intros for games of all time? First couple hours, intro cinematics. Stand up. There you go. Great choice. You were dreaming. <laughs> What's your name? Um, J- uh, Morrowind. Yeah. Uh, I already know what you're going to say. The other game. One of the other games you're going to say. What? It's Close shut the jaws of oblivion. <laughs> That's oblivion. one of the best intros of all time from just one teaching you how to play the game. Yeah. The, the Imperial Sewers. But also the world building it does before you even fucking get to the world. Yeah. Um, Definitely is one of those. I think uh, Ninja Gaiden Black and the first Ninja Gaiden for Xbox, like they're the same intro. They come al- come to mind after you beat the first level, kind of get a walk down of the Dark Dragon Blade, and you kind of get the story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> those games do a really good job. What a way to motivate the player! You play through one chapter, and you're like, "Huh, I haven't heard or seen anything about this Dark Dragon Blade they mentioned in the intro cutscene." All of a sudden, your village is on fire, and you know who your villain is for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Well, uh, shit. <laughs> other than that... Um, 
maybe like Ocarina of Time comes to mind because you're the little kid and you see Zelda escaping and she throws the uh, Ocarina into the water and you mm-hmm. ju- you jump in and get it. That's a good one too. I you know one of those three you're pretty safe with choosing. I would think. Yeah, I kind of I was thinking that as well. All, Ocarina of Times, even though at the same time. Zelda, as much as I love it, is notorious for not necessarily holding your hand in spaces. Even games like Ocarina of Time that a lot of people are like, oh, it's very hand-holding comparative to original Zelda, even A Link to the Past. But at the same time, you still need a times you need a guide to like know where you're gonna get because they just the games weren't at that level of like it's like one of the first map marker hey here's where you go here's a directional on your hud that's showing you like it just which sometimes is great you don't want to play like that it was a really cool way to like bring um immersion with navi like telling you like why don't you go to that why don't you go to that volcano like to do the second like kids you know what i mean like well, it did happen. We were making a transition to 3D, too. It wasn't right. just like, here's a series of levels you can play in one sitting if you're good enough. It's like, this is a persistent world where you can put it down and come back to it and yeah. have to remember where the hell you were. Yeah, no, the open definitely. world nature of it, it was like one of the first games like it. So Yeah, no, definitely. And I definitely think, too, like, even if we're going off of, like, kind of how, um, like, A Link to the Past was, the first three uh, things you need to get then opens up the world. Yeah, and that's right. kind of how this was, too. So, really, I would even look at that. The Great Plateau on um, Breath of the Wild is an oh, excellent yes, intro um, that helps you get your footing, really, with that game. Um, Bioshock is an excellent one. The way that that brings you into that world is just really unparalleled at times. And, you know, going down to Rapture for the first time. Still have never played it. It's awesome. I'll let you borrow it. I have the collection on Xbox One. Um, I know where I stand. (laughs) From where you're kneeling, it must look like a 24-carat run of bad luck. (laughs) Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. (laughs) That pulls me in every time. Yeah, yeah. that that is a hell of a game. I mean, just in general. like That coming to Game Pass, too. Looking forward to it. There you go. Um, And then, too, last one I kind of had on my list, RE7. I thought RE7 was Resident Evil 7 the way that it brings you into the swamp mm-hmm, and yeah. to the uh, into the mansion there that is very reminiscent of the original and definitely a you know sense of a soft reboot but the way that it builds that tension with Mia and her coming in and out basically of yeah. her you know possessed state like i think that is an excellent world building and you being sucked into that house with the family yeah so, very good. But, yeah. Guys, I think that'll about do it for this episode. I know we kind of went long. Mike, you got to run. You got a CS match tonight. Yeah. Coming out back. of retirement. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, where can everyone find you? Mike, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you? At T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R on Twitter. L-L Toy Soldier L-L on Xbox Live. And MP underscore Toy Soldier on the Twitch. Nice. And Adam. You can find me at AC underscore Marshy on the Twitters. Nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus on most internet platforms, including Twitter. You can find me at at Travelus underscore. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming every now and then twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter, and Xbox Live, just regular Travelus, T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And with that, Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening, watching, viewing, whatever you want to call it, sharing, but just being a part of this growing community. Game on, and we will see you next week.